Hello, beautiful souls, and welcome to the Aligned and Embodied podcast. I'm Tasha. And I'm Alicia. We are here to create a space of softness, flow, connection with self, and to empower you to return to your soul's essence. It was through our morning walks in the woods and our fascination and love for human design that this podcast came to be. We will combine our wisdom of mindfulness, self-regulation, spirituality, and human design to offer you inspiration and the ability to see and accept yourself exactly as you are. We are so grateful that you are here with us. Now let's get aligned and embodied. Good. Hello, friends, and welcome to episode six of the Aligned and Embodied podcast. We have something very exciting in store for this episode today. Um, we have a guest on the show, Michelle Stroud, who is the owner of By the Moon, a friend to both Alicia and I, and a teacher. Um, Michelle, tell us a little bit about yourself. Oh my gosh, where do I begin? I'm going to try to keep it brief. I'm a holistic health practitioner. I started my journey learning about holistic health in 2001 and my entrepreneurship journey in 2004 as a reflexologist. And then in the years following, I added, I don't remember anymore which order it came in, but doula support and energy healing as Reiki. And my focus has always been reproductive health. I became um, very passionate about pregnancy and birth first. I always knew that was the kind of reflexologist I wanted to be, like the reflexologist that I saw in line or online in forums from the UK who worked side by side with midwives. And uh, but fertility work actually found me uh, clients were reaching out asking for reflexology for fertility support and then I grew really passionate for that too. I saw that there was a huge unmet need there but there wasn't accessible training for fertility or maternity uh, reflexology or Reiki at that time. So I really had to lean in and use my, my intuition Um, and the few resources that were available. So I did a lot of my learning through my clients. I said this was going to be brief. I don't know how to do it for you. (laughs) Anyway, (laughs) long story short, By the Moon is now an international holistic health school. Um, We have a center locally where clients can come. They don't have to be reproductive health clients. A lot are, but we also see everyone else as well. And we have students all over North America and even some overseas um, in different places. So, yeah, it's been quite the journey. Uh, I think that's that sums it up. There's some pole dancing in that story somewhere, too. But. <laughs> I love it. We need to move our sacral energy. <laughs> yeah, pole dancing is actually a great way to help people get pregnant. So it shockingly it fit in. It was something I did 
because I actually wanted that for myself and it wasn't available locally. I wanted to connect with that sensual side of myself and feel more confident in that part of my feminine. And there was no pole dancing available. And when I was looking, I found a pole dancing teacher in Richmond Hill who, uh, so I signed up, I gave her my money and I said, teach me how to teach people. <laughs> and she did. And then I did bachelorette parties nice. and pole dancing classes. And it was, it was awesome. And yes, pole dancing students turned into doula clients. And it was also a gateway to energy healing for people. They were going to the shaman in the same space. And uh, I reflect on that time quite fondly, but uh, I don't know that I could do a lot of those things now. <laughs> so no plans to bring it, it back locally? <laughs> no, I don't. I don't have time for that in my life. I miss it. But uh, you know, you can't do all the things. That's one thing I've learned over the years. Mm, so mm. true well thank you I'm grateful you're here and gratefully for your wisdom and your teachings especially over this past six months very very grateful that you are in our lives or in my life and I know you and Tasha have had a long story together and yeah, yeah. so we just wanted to start off by asking what does alignment and embodiment mean to you I think of life, this is kind of actually a thought I had today. So I, I may have had it on, on different days, but today I'm feeling it very strongly. I think of life like a dream. And when we are dreaming, we can get really caught up in the drama of the dream and the emotions can feel so big and so real. And occasionally when we're dreaming, we realize we're dreaming and we can make it a lucid dream where it's like, wait a minute, I'm dreaming. I don't have to take this so seriously. What happens if I try to fly or, you know, make this go away and instead choose this? So for me, alignment and embodiment is the difference between living life in autopilot and just reacting to everything that shows up and instead living with intention and maybe not taking ourselves or life so seriously and being more playful with it and doing the things that can keep us in the flow so that life is a little easier, um, more gentle, more joyful, while not bypassing opportunities for growth. I don't, it's not like checking out and ignoring reality as much as accepting reality and then being empowered to uh to live it a little lighter mm -hmm. I like how you touched on play that's one of the things we talked about in the last podcast like just want to play more this summer which <clears throat> I don't think I've been doing 100% <laughs> on but there's always room for growth but I love that analogy of life is like a dream and we get to pick and choose. We do have the ability to pick and choose on what we focus on. We're not empowered if we live as victims mm -hmm. to life. Like if life is just something that happens to us and we're constantly having to react to whatever is happening, then uh, life can be really scary and really depressing. And uh, it's just different if you see life as an opportunity to 
be when I say be empowered, I mean like choose your own adventure. Remember those books? I, I read them when I was a kid. I don't know if people still write those, but you would literally get to a page where at the bottom it would say, to make this choice, um, turn to this page, or to make that choice, turn to this page. And I don't always live like this. I totally get caught up in the drama. I totally get caught up in the emotions. And that happened to me during the pandemic and in especially uh, the first few months of this year, maybe the last couple months of, of 2021, um, I got pretty dark and really, really depressed and and then eventually got to a stage of, with increased awareness about the dream, um, I got into a real fear-based state. But I'm not now because as much as I still have a lot of awareness about what is happening in my version of reality, I feel like really excited about what I can do in my own life um, not to have control, because there's an element of surrender in there as well, but what can I do to feel lighter, be more playful, experience more joy, be in the flow, and <coughs> not take it so seriously, because one day the dream will be over, and then what? Yeah, we can't control it, but we can learn to regulate and respond by giving ourselves space and being true to our values and embodying those values. So what are some things that you do, Michelle, to stay aligned and in body? I think you know the answer to this one. <laughs> and I know that, you know, this is for us like a debatable topic too, but um, I'll start when I started to feel really good was actually a couple of months ago and it was, it was different. You experienced it with me though. I kind of had this realization that there's so much power in uh, remembering how powerful we are. And I know that sounds like a, of course there is, but I forgot. Uh, I think we all forgot, and it's part of that, like, waking up from the dream. I'm just going to be really honest. Yep. <laughs> like, like honest. Go for honesty. Part of me is like, hold back, and another no. part is like, speak the truth. I, in the my version of reality, because I don't try to tell people, well, sometimes I do, but I, I try to live by not telling people what they have to believe, because I do believe we all live in our own version of reality, and no two people are experiencing the same journey, because uh, it's all an illusion. But in the reality that I live in, there are people in positions of power with uh, who are making bad choices, meaning they're not benevolent. Uh, that was part of my awakening this year is I used to think every being was benevolent, but wounded to varying degrees. And I now believe that there's benevolent beings wounded to varying, varying degrees, and there's malevolent beings as well. And of course there is, because there's always light and dark, black and white like we're trying to live in a non-binary world but the reality is my reality it is binary and so there's good and there's bad and I believe my it's been my experience that there are malevolent beings for generations and generations generations who have um, in all different places in the world intentionally removed people from their power their medicines 
their energy healing, their intuition, their connection with the sun and the moon and the stars, and their, their relationship with Mother Earth. And the most recent example that we talk about the most anyway, I don't want to say it's actually the most recent, but to me, it feels like I can't think of a more recent example of it happening in such a wide scale is what happened to Indigenous people in Canada when, you know, European settlers came here. But I don't think it was just European settlers. I think it was the intentions of powerful people at that time. And then they manipulate other settlers to be a part of it because because those other people were removed from their own connection with those things generations before in a different place um and so i feel empowered now by doing what i can to reclaim my relationship even more than i did before with mother earth with the moon and the sun and the stars with the very powerful um spiritual uh, a connection to energy for healing, but also for manifestation and other things. I think that we're really, really magic beings who have been convinced that that's stupid and we're not. And even those who are Reiki practitioners um, and other, you know, similar modalities, I think the majority of them don't even realize how powerful they can be. And we, we make ourselves small uh, and so I'm remembering and I'm doing pretty big things with um, with my knowing that I am that powerful. So anyway, that's why I'm not scared anymore <laughs> um, because I can only do me. So I don't know what's going to happen in the world, but uh, I'm going to do my best to help as many people who want to remember, remember as I can. So yeah, I'm flying high lately. <laughs> I don't know if that answered your Totally. Original question. Yeah. Oh, so the daily practice of, I got it. That was a bit of a tangent. I'm like, it was a good to say What do I do to stay embodied? So back then, um, when I came from this place of like really big depression, um, fear, like an addiction to fear. Uh, that's what it is. It's like yeah. our, nervous system gets like dopamine hits from the fear and we stay stuck in that place and I experienced that as well and I remember saying like I have this big Mary Poppins bag of like tools and habits and rituals that I like I always pull from and help me stay kind of in balance and return back to homeostasis but for a few months they weren't working and it's like I had to keep digging deeper and deeper and I was totally stuck in a place of fear. And yeah. do you think, I wonder, and I don't know the answer to this, but I wonder if that serves a purpose at times though, because, you know, okay, I'm going to use a different example. I remember having this client who came to me for healing support, reflexology or Reiki, I don't remember. It was for conception support. And uh, in our first 20 minutes, um, there was information that I gathered from her while doing her health history form that led me to ask her, and I really felt into it. I wouldn't just ask just anybody this. Um, it, I, I felt into her energetically and, and then, then took the chance, and I asked her if she had a history of sexual violence. Um, and she looked shocked, but was like, I do. 
and we talked about it and I gave her space to talk about it. I didn't pry. She um, revealed that she did have a history and nobody believed her. And so to have somebody just know, like, was so powerful for her because um, she didn't have to try to convince somebody. Somebody already knew in whatever way that I that I did. And so I connected her with a counselor. You know, I was going to continue to do Reiki or reflexology with her, but I also wanted to give her another ally to process this. Anyway, in talking to the counselor um, about my role with her, because I had a relationship with the counselor, um, I said, like, it probably flipped her world upside down. And she said, no, Michelle, what you helped do is flip her world right side up again. Mm -hmm. And I feel like that's kind of what we went through this early this year was our world was upside down because things weren't making sense. Um, we're being abused yeah. by a lot of people and very powerful people. And it, it didn't make sense. Like why, why are they being like that? You know, it's kind of what it felt like. And so I think we had to dig and experience that time of fear to understand that like there are bad guys and, um, it made the world right again, so, yeah. but it was really messy. So I don't know, like, does that does times of fear like that serve a purpose? Like, are we supposed to just always avoid fear? I don't, I don't necessarily think so. For me, every time I've gone through moments of fear, or depression, I've always climbed up stronger and wiser. And experiencing it is hard. <laughs> Especially when it's, like, your first time, you're like, what is happening? But now I understand, like, I can say to my spouse, I'm in the valley right now, right? And I have friends who I feel safe with. Like, you ladies, like, we've created a little online haven where, you know, we feel free to and, and safe to feel seen and heard. And, yeah, 100% walking those, like, through those dark valleys has brought me to the most beautiful meadows. And even when things don't make sense, like, I do come out and feel like, okay, that makes sense now, you know? And it's almost like going through this path of unlearning. This is what my experience was, was I was unlearning so much and relearning everything I thought to be true and I use quotation marks with that <laughs> about the world and the powers to be and trying to also understand just how powerful those powers to be in manipulating people into division and to fear and I think it was just a period of feeling what did Danielle Laporte say we said this in the last podcast and I and I messed up the quote, but it was like, your depression is everyone's darkness. You're the feeling everyone's darkness. The, the, feeling the collective darkness. Um, I'm sorry for butchering that quote, but <laughs> <laughs> it made sense. Like, when I heard that, I was like, that's exactly what it feels like. Um, but just know if you are struggling, you know, please reach out to ask questions to anyone here. There's... Tasha and Michelle and myself all have, you know, resources to share and and experience experience space to hold. Yeah, and having the courage to talk about that is what lies in growth. And if 
I didn't go through the depression and didn't rise up, I wouldn't be sitting here podcasting. <laughs> I'd still be working, you know, at the at, at my former employer. And anyway, yeah, thank you for sharing that. And if we go back to my original um, idea about alignment and embodiment, one of the things I said was like living life with more ease, more joy, more pleasure, all of those things, but not bypassing the opportunities for growth. Mm -hmm. And those opportunities for growth and evolution are why we came here in my version of reality. Um, And they're not comfortable. And so they can be very fearful or very stuck in the past or um, but we harvest, I, that's how I experience depression as well as I harvest so much from there. And it's like, okay, that's healed now. I never have to learn that again. Mm-hmm. If, if you're in it and that's kind of the way that I do depression. Um, so anyway, back then coming out of that darkness and going like, oh my gosh, we are more powerful. Like we don't have to just sit back and hold a sign and say like start being nice to each other again or whatever just love one another. yeah that's not working um but I can do me and so we started I, I shared this with this group that you know and I, I really want to honor the group of friends that we have the way that you have what I want to say is in a time of so much relationship loss the re- the relationships that have lasted have gone deeper than I have ever experienced friendships. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm really grateful for that as well. Like it really brought people together stronger as much as it separated some others, unfortunately. But um, so there's blessing there and a loss. So we started going out in the woods together. Thank goodness the timing was so good because we got that that time when things were starting to warm up, but there were no bugs. And so Tasha and I went in the woods one day and then um, we went on my birthday with Amber and um, a friend named Kaylin. So we've gone to the woods several times and sat around the fire together with the intention of not reading a book and learning what our ancient ancestors who were connected to their power did, but knowing we can remember Um, and so that's why I'm so excited because I'm remembering and, uh, it feels like the most powerful thing we can do because it feels like the first thing that was done against ordinary people to make us, um, controllable. Mm -hmm. Just need to unplug a little to, to find your own inner wisdom. And I love what you shared like about what I can do because ultimately in order to heal the collective and there's so much healing work to do is we really all need to be doing it at an individual level mm-hmm. and we need more compassion and love for the existence of humanity to move on <laughs> and I just feel so deeply right now like we really just need to come from a place of love and softness and not be so judgmental on others. And just thank you for doing the work. <laughs> Being the wise teacher. Well, that's nice. And we're all, we're all doing it together. And that makes it, um, we can't be strong every day or inspired every day. But as long as somebody is, we kind of like keep carrying our little group. And 
what I have felt from the beginning and what I shared back then is that will also be contagious. Yes. So while there's been so much fear out there, which was, I'm just going to say it, it was intentional. Spreading fear was intentional and it is the most contagious virus on earth. I said that before the pandemic, I'm not mocking COVID. Am I allowed to say that word on here? Yeah, we can say whatever we want. (laughs) (laughs) So ridiculous that we live in a time where there's words that we like have to like use other secret words. Anyway, that's another thing. But I do believe that the spreading of fear was intentional. I know it was. It was intentional because it makes people controllable. And I'm not saying that because I want people to feel fear because I'm not afraid. And I, I don't want other people to be afraid either if they're just... If that's connecting, I know for some people it still won't, and that's fine. We all live in our own version. We're all living our own dream. But um, I've shifted now. So we did these these early practices of connecting and remembering, and I think that was very empowering for us. And, oh, yeah, so I was saying I also believed that that was contagious, that what we were doing is also contagious, where we're – connecting with you know our power other people will want that too and why would you choose to stay in the fear club if you could be in the we are powerful and love and light club and I've been mocked for being the love and light white girl somebody actually said that on one of my posts on Instagram I don't care Mm -hmm. that's me I'll own it thank you (laughs) I'm not ashamed of that (laughs) (laughs) great that's a great compliment I know you're trying to hurt my feelings but it didn't it didn't hit yeah that one didn't land now I've shifted again back to my daily practices. Okay. <laughs> so I'm on, uh, I'm back on the wagon, and I am so high. I was thinking about it today. Like even my eyes feel different. Like I feel like my eyes are more open physically. Like I feel like a lift in my face when my vibe is so high. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm really excited right now. So I'm back to now. I would say I'm lucid dreaming. Now I'm like, let's see if I can fly. And making like choices. When you're in a dream, you are limited to your logical thoughts about what is possible. When you're in a lucid dream and you know that you're dreaming, you know you're powerful, you're you're limitless. And so I'm kind of living like that right now. So I'm using my gratitude journaling and um, Reiki on myself, working with different archangels um, on different days and, uh, yoga. And I started going to the gym for the first time in my life. I know I was a pole dancing teacher back then. I've never gone into a gym and like picked things up and put them down because <laughs> it seemed, it, I was like, I'll never enjoy that. But Jeff asked us to go with him because he's trying to balance out his body because he's got some imbalances because he is very strong, but not all of the muscles the same. So he has pain. So I was like, yeah, sure, I'll go to the gym. And we're like hooked. Like it's a thing. I can't believe it. We went yesterday again. Easily spent an hour and a half to two hours there. Like wow. picking things up and putting them down. <laughs> so I know that I'm getting chemicals from that too. So I'm flying high. I am totally humble that I know that this too shall pass. But I also know that I can do these things to to get as much out of, harvest as much out of this as I do out of the low times too, so. I think it's important too, like you you talk about remembering like our inner wisdom that's been lost and a lot of people are turning back to like their gardens like our ancestors did and feeling strong is something that I'm certainly working towards as well, especially as I like head into my 40s. It's like, 
I really need to work on building that muscle mass. But what that does is it does empower me to be able to not control. Control is such an old paradigm, but, you know, when you get into that lucid dream state of living, just being able to, like, pick and choose and be capable of, like, yeah, I can do that. If I need to haul water from the river to my house, I am strong enough to do that. And... No, I, I love how you've added that to your tool bag. Well, and can we be playful with our bodies and instead of like trying to control, just be like, what happens if I do this? Let's see yeah. what happens with my body and what it can do or how it changes. Or um, That's why yoga is so wonderful too, to kind of tune in and push yourself and mm-hmm. develop that self-awareness. That's key to being able to like, pull yourselves out of even depression is like number one becoming aware like I'm not in a good state right now number two what can I do to get out who can I lean on for support or should I just give myself permission today to stay in yeah (laughs) nothing wrong with that sometimes I feel like when you're that low uh well you have to care you have to care to be able to do a thing to get yourself out and if you're really really depressed there's no more Fs to give, you know. <laughs> They're all broken, so. Um. That could be the generator in us, too. Like, for me, it's, like, giving myself permission to rest sometimes is really hard. And I'll turn to, like, I'll go work out or go for a walk, and that will make me feel better. But really, it's, like, just slow down. Sometimes mm-hmm. I have to let myself sink so low. I feel like it's until I have something to push off of. Mm-hmm. Like, I, I'm not going to do anything to get myself out of it um, until my feet hit the bottom. And then it's like, I can't do this. And I have to get so sick of being depressed and thinking terrible things and, you know, bad habits and not living empowered, embodied, um, and in alignment. And then, uh, yeah, so sometimes I just ride it for a while. And I don't always do the things that I I know what I can do. I've been Mm -hmm. up and down in depression my whole adult life. Yeah, since my teenage years. I know what to do. And it works every time. But that doesn't mean I will choose it. (laughs) I also think that you practice what you preach. Because you you teach your students and your clients to sit in the mud. So Mm -hmm. you staying in that uncomfortableness is you practicing sitting in your own mud. Sometimes it's months. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So uncomfortable. <laughs> I also think, Alicia, when you're talking about, um, like, having your Mary Poppins bag of all these, like, rituals and tools, sometimes I think that we need to fall out of alignment with those things to remember how incredible they are. Yeah. So that when we return to them, like, they really are our medicine and, and we, we feel differently about them. We value them more. I've had fights with them. Mm. I've had fights with yoga. Why do I have to do yoga? Like other people aren't doing yoga every day just to live, you know, because that's what it has felt like at times. Like if I didn't, I don't know where I would be. Mm. Um, yeah, so sometimes I fight with it, but then it's like I'm doing it and I'm mad doing it. Like there's so much resentment and it's not working for me at that time. And that's okay. And then so for a period of time, I actually used walks and I started taking my dog on the trail. Um, I've lost that because for the life of me, I cannot train my dog to walk on a leash and uh, people don't like off-leash dogs and it's really hard to find places where there's not a single other person ever there. 
But um, yeah, for a time I replaced my, my yoga with trail walks in nature and I found that to be equally as powerful. Mm -hmm. So there, yeah, you can... There's so many restorative practices we all have and everyone's different, right? Mm -hmm. What we're saying like works for us may not necessarily work for you. What may work one day may not work the next. Yeah. That's usually a signal for me where I'm like, and then if I turn to junk food, I'm like, okay, why? What is happening? Dig a little deeper. What's off balance? What are you struggling with? And, you know, normally it's like burnout or something else is coming up. But it's just giving yourself space to sit in the mud. Usually mine is about a wound and it just takes a while to get really clear about what it is. Um, and I will call in so many opportunities for someone to poke it before I fully understand the original root of it. Um, so that's, I find that's usually mine. It's, it'll be like a really, really deep wound from childhood or usually. <laughs> and, uh, I'll, I'll get caught up in the present day things that are happening. Like it'll usually be like my husband or my son or something else in my, my close proximity happening presently that keeps happening and happening and happening. And so I spend a lot of time being really frustrated about that until I remember, okay, there's a pattern here. This keeps happening because what, can, again, it goes back to empowerment. What can I do about this? I can't make them stop doing this. I've tried. Don't talk to me like that or whatever it is. You know, the only thing I can do is me. And so then I look at what is my button that's being pushed? What is the pain or the fear? Um, and, uh, and then I can find it because they'll be, they'll be showing me something over and over and over that I haven't healed yet. And so mm -hmm. then I heal it, their behavior changes and, uh, things get a lot lighter again. All comes back to self. Mm -hmm. It's the only thing that we can do. Yep. <laughs> a lot of people out there screaming at, and I do it, you know, trying to tell people what they need to think or know or, or do, but. I have become really good as a holistic health practitioner to wait for a lot of people to come to me. Um, I see it in eager new holistic health practitioners where they learn things and are like, oh my gosh, this will help my best friend and my sister and my mom. And they know all of their people's things that need help. And I try to, to remind them that um, people have to want to be seen, number one, because a lot of people don't want to be seen without invitation. And they have to want to heal that. Yeah. And a lot of the people, in my experience, and what I've seen um, teaching and mentoring other practitioners, the people closest to the healing practitioners don't want to be seen and don't want to do the work with them. And so I say, don't worry. Within time, you'll have enough people from outside of your circle who are like, please help me. And you'll get a lot of fulfillment there. And you can let the people close to you live and let live. Why do you think that is? That they don't, I don't, I think we have to be ready for, to, to heal it, you know, and just because we see it in somebody doesn't mean they're even aware of it yet. Um, some people are not here to grow. Yeah, they have opportunities, but they'll live the same. They'll stay on chapter one the whole life. And I think that's okay. Cause we don't know what they did in other lifetimes. Mm -hmm. Maybe they did Maybe 40 chapters great. already. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And they're like, no, I'm, ta I'm tired. I don't want to. I don't want to. It even goes to, like, do they have the space to feel safe to grow? Right? Mm -hmm. 
Yeah. Physically, emotionally, mentally, spiritually, are they provided with that? Yeah. That so space. It, it can be really triggering to have people come up and be like, I see your crap and I want to, I got a thing to help you with it. It makes people feel naked. You're actually talking a little like human design uh, lingo there. Cause yeah. like what I thought of was how like projectors need to be invited. Otherwise like offering unsolicited advice comes across as like very pokey, very yucky and often is like quite a turnoff for people. So you know, and a generator's strategy is to wait and respond. Respond, So you're just doing it great. That's so funny. You said I'm a generator, right? Yes, you are. Interesting. Well, then I started that. I assume everybody, yeah, maybe I shouldn't assume all of our students are generators then. Right? Like, does that mean there are holistic health practitioners then who could go poking people and it would be received different? Um, So, like, the manifestor strategy is to inform. So I feel like a manifestor um, could do some poking and it be received very differently than if a generator, a manifesting generator, projector in particular, tried that. It probably wouldn't work out as well. Interesting. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, something that has been repeat, like listening to you guys chatting about, uh, like relationships and family and like the collective and, um, depression and all of this. And it may be because I was at a jewel concert last night, but like, there's a line in one of her songs called hands that says in the end, only kindness matters. And like this whole conversation, I just keep hearing this line repeating over and over in my head and it is like like I remember listening to it last night at the concert and feeling it in every cell of my body like it's so true like how important kindness and compassion is right now like more than ever for others and yourself yeah first and foremost yourself yeah we've all been through a lot (laughs) these past two years collectively and there's extra cortisol running through everyone's bodies right now and we can be so hard on ourselves. And hello, Charlie. <laughs> Speaking of, you know, tools in the tool bag, our pets are such beautiful tools that can help us yes. self-regulate a bit, learn calm. Um, but yeah. It, I think we can also turn that, like, I'm sure that we have all experienced at one time, if not more times during the past couple of years, where we have not felt like there's kindness being shown towards us from others. So, like, you know, it matters for us to show other people kindness, but, like, yeah, everyone should be. All um, we can do as aware people is, again, like, because it does cause pain. There's going to be people who are unkind who um, you won't. It just, it won't land, like I said, like the person who criticized me for being a love and light white girl, um, but who is also a white person. Anyway, weird thing. But sometimes it lands and it lands hard and we can be living in the dream state where we're reacting to everything that happens to us and feeling it really big and it feels really real and I've had those moments for sure. Um, and then we can choose the lucid dream state where we're living more intentionally, more alignment and embodiment. And, um, again, we go back to, okay, what can I do? Like this hurts. 
And so what can I do about the pain to release that? What can I do to process my feelings? So instead of reacting and then engaging in this, like, you hurt me, I'm going to hurt you, and then it gets back and forth and back and forth. I learned that a long time ago with my husband where um, he, something triggered me. I'm, it came from him. And uh, I caught myself. We're, I'm really good at fighting back. Like, I'm a pretty passionate person. As my uh, shaman taught me a long time ago, Michelle, you can't be so passionate about the good and expect not to be passionate about when things are heated. So yeah, I experienced passion on the spectrum, very big. And I caught myself and I didn't give it back um, where normally I would engage, but nobody wins. You just keep slinging it until you're both just so wounded and you can't stand each other. That's my experience in my relationship anyway, because uh, he's passionate as well. But long time ago, I caught myself and I tried something different and I, and I took it away, even though I was so triggered. It hurt, hurt so bad. Um, and uh, I waited in my pain of it, which actually felt a lot like anger, very, very angry. But anger is fear or pain. It's never just anger. It's always fear or pain. Something hurts or you're scared something's going to hurt. And uh, I sat in it until I got clear about what he poked. Like, what is the wound? And so that's, you know, a practice that we can do in our awareness if we want to choose to live more in alignment. Uh, just because anytime somebody does something to us, we're calling it in. They're pushing our button. If it's landing, that is. They're pushing a button that we carry. So what are we going to do about the button? We can't do anything about it. We can't make them be nice. <laughs> if only there was that easy button. <laughs> so yeah, we have to explore what hurts and where does it come from? Because when we don't have the... If we can heal that, nobody can push it anymore. No. It won't land. We create that space. Yeah. Hmm. I'm just sitting here like nodding. <laughs> Ah, so what are some of the things that have hurt? Do we want to go there? Okay, because <laughs> I'm sure there are people with shared experience. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and then rather than like defend ourselves about what has hurt, we can really look at like why that hurts. I think for me, it's the the overcoming like the I'm the recovering people pleaser. And since having children and struggling with depression <laughs> since having children, um, again, it's brought so much light to me because it's really been this time where I've gone into really dark places and questioned a lot, but I found myself and who I am, who my authentic true self is, and I'm no longer that people pleaser. And every time I feel like I experience the lows and the highs, I do come out stronger. And I'm noticing something with my confidence also is just standing in that empowerment and feeling so unaligned and embodied with my values um, of what I believe to be true, especially when it comes to like informed consent and bodily autonomy, you know, I've always been one that goes with the flow with everyone, but something just didn't feel right these past two years. And we've read a lot. And no, I'm not a doctor or a scientist, but I can read and I can interpret data 
and I can make informed decisions, and I can ask critical questions. And that's something that I've continued to do. And and you can honor your intuition as yes. well. Like that is an that's... important part. When we teach informed consent in doula school, because I'm a doula trainer, we use an acronym. Yeah. And it's what are the benefits? What yeah. are the risks? What alternatives are there? What does your intuition say? And what happens if you do nothing? That's the brain acronym. Um, so you talked about benefits and risks by reading data and yeah. looking at all different resources on both sides. And then, uh, yeah, there, alternatives and intuition and doing nothing are still – why did those get thrown out? Exactly. But anyway, if we go back to your pain. <laughs> yeah. I, I think – it's the pain of people pleasing and feeling accepted, especially in terms of like friendships and families. Like couldn't make everybody happy. No. Couldn't make a choice just to make them happy because it went against your brain. Do you think fear of judgment is at the root of some of that? Oh, 100%. But I'm at the point now where I just don't. Less and less fear. Yeah. Once you lose really important relationships, what do you have to lose after that? Exactly. And also, I feel I know my own truth and the truth that is guiding me. And my intuition is guiding me. And I cannot sway away from my intuition for my own self and for my family and my children. I mean, like, Mama Bear is out to protect her kids. (laughs) Um... This is an example of you being in your own embodiment. Yeah. And it took a long time to get here. Mm-hmm. Like maybe even when we started this podcast in January, I was not where I am now. But yeah, just sitting here and talking about it, having the courage to share. And I know, Michelle, you were one of those people for me. When you started to share, it gave me courage <laughs> To share also, right? Like it opened up a window for so many people to be like, hey, I'm not alone. Because I felt so alone this past year. Um, And we aren't alone. No matter what people try to tell us. We are not alone. We are like Care Bears. That's what I always used to think. Like That's how I feel if I'm in a conversation with a friend or a family member and like, I'm finding my nervous system getting a little bit dysregulated and I want to like defend myself. That's the most exhausting thing is defending our choices right now. And we shouldn't have to defend ourselves. Like, do you want to see my binder of data? I don't have that. Um, (laughs) But do you, do you want to see what I've been focusing on and something I focused on long before that is like just author orthomolecular medicine. I'm probably saying that wrong, but like, just healing through herbs and supplements and how they can be an ally to our health. And we seem to have forgotten that we have immune systems. Well, and- <laughs> the fear narrative has been there are no alternatives. This is the only option. That's never been true in history with regards to health. There's not a birth scenario where, you know, there's not at least one other way to navigate this. Might there be consequences? Yeah, but we have people. There's consequences on both sides. Yeah. Um, you know, if they say like, we have to do a a C-section, um, you still have options within the C-section. Can I do it awake or do I have to be sedated or can I choose to be sedated or, you know, can I have my arms free or can I have this person in whatever, but a person can still choose not to have the C-section. Might there be a poor outcome for the person that's giving birth or the baby? 
Yes. But we can't lose that right to choose because Mm -hmm. you could do the C-section and somebody could die. Mm -hmm. And then who's responsible for it? And so we have to be responsible for our own choices. Um, And our own health. And we don't put our own health on what others may be or may not be putting or doing to practice for their own health. What I heard you saying when you're talking about your pain that was poked by unkind things that have happened to you, it sounded like, and you can correct me if this isn't quite right, but it sounded like you were saying, if I don't do the thing that will make other people happy, I will be abandoned. Yeah. Because you talked a lot about being alone and then but the reality was you ended up not being alone and then childhood stuff comes up right that's what I wanted so yeah I never really connected it like that Michelle's really good yeah I know thanks Michelle (laughs) you can listen pick the keywords and help get to the root that's why we yeah and so for people who are like resonating with that or who want to like figure out what button is being pushed for them when people are unkind the next step is to let those emotions come up, that whatever that abandonment wound is. So what I do for myself is I go, okay, what are my earliest memories of being abandoned, for example? And uh, I like writing. Tasha was talking about that earlier before we got on the podcast. I find it's very powerful. And so I will write out the memories. For some, It's different than thinking it and just like mm-hmm. swishes around in your brain. It doesn't go anywhere. But when you write it, you move yeah. the energy out. It moves out of you and onto the paper. And then by saying it out loud, I find it even more powerful. So again, going back to reclaiming um, our power through our connection with the earth and the moon and the sun and the stars, I'll even go out to the earth. I've done this in my snow pants before. I just like kneeled right down on her and like there's like a brown crusty plants poking through the snow and I just read my stories, my memories and cried to this plant and they're from when I was, you know, seven years old or 12 years old or whatever. But so we can really dwell on that mean person today. This person came up to me and they had the nerve to say blah, blah, blah. Or we can use it as an opportunity to be like, why does this hurt? Mm -hmm. Oh yeah. That story from when I was seven, you, you read that out and you release it and it heals. And if you, um, you can lay on the earth for healing or you can do energy healing on yourself even if you're not attuned to Reiki just by intending to, you know, visualize light coming in or you're, you are more powerful. You do not need an attunement necessarily. It's good for confirmation, but I'm really recognizing that now that we all have this relationship with these forces because um, they're not separate from us to begin with. We've just been made to forget. Um and then that person won't be mean to that thing again. Or it'll be like the woman on Instagram who said, you're just a love and light white girl. I see you. It didn't land. I keep bringing it up, so it must have been. <laughs> but it's a good example because I remember being like, there's been times where I remember it like a compliment where I'm like, I am that love and light white girl. And I'm not ashamed of any one of those things. Um, so that's how you, that's, that's when you can be empowered. Um, because you can't stop mean people from... They may, they're not even all mean people. No. They're scared people. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. And that's, that's part of the work, too, is sitting in that space. And here's what I think. I will have compassion, but I cannot tolerate some of the words that are said. I can have compassion, and 
You might and, have boundaries. Yes, yeah, and it, that's one thing I'm working on is setting boundaries and not tolerating some things. Um, but yeah, I do have compassion because I understand the way the nervous system works and I understand how you can get stuck in that fear state. And it's just so important to recognize if you are in that fear state and things you can do to step out of it and areas to reduce your stress. The number one thing is stop watching the news. <laughs> Unplug from social media even and like plug into the earth. Like I think what you're honing in on, Michelle, is like how we all have this power and we just have to remember that it is in us. And comes back to being outside in nature and I'm so grateful for like the gardens that I have even though I might be planning a little <laughs> for what may to come but you know with that said also is news outlets and political people have kind of dropped little hints about how we do need to be prepared food wise and that's as hard as it is Going from fear state, okay, what can I, I shift from fear state to like, what can I do? How can I be empowered? And for me, that's gardening. But it's so healing also. And this is how we can pick or choose how we respond is because we're, I'm connecting with my ancestors again and reclaiming like that lost art of, of gardening, of canning, mm -hmm. of living off, off the land and hopefully passing that on to future generations because... I'm concerned for our kids <laughs> deeply who are all plugged in. I keep telling my kids, like, you need to unplug. And by that, it's like unplug from the device. Anyway, I'm off on a tangent right now. <laughs> I feel that like passion. Um, herbalism, like, is a way of, like, reconnecting with ourselves and our ancestors and the earth mm -hmm. as well. And all three of us are um, into herbalism and returning to the the magic and the medicine of the plants that grow right in our yards yeah um that has been like i feel like over the past couple of years with viruses and all of that stuff floating around it's been really cool to just see how powerful the plants are that that we have in you know like abundance and what's abundant each year for us to use really cool it was really interesting was it last year when all the, the mulling mullen 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 was everywhere it was everywhere it is this year too so st john's wort yeah all the herbs we need the earth is showing us and guiding us yeah and the plants want us to be in right relationship with them and oh my gosh i feel like we could go on for so long that it's obvious that the next fear narrative is going to be about climate change. And uh, I'm, a, I'm an earth lover. Like, the environment is another big passion of mine. But I take offense to people using her, Mother Earth, and all of its inhabitants, plants and animals, um, as a tool of manipulation. I see through it very clearly. But there's another way to save the earth that's not through regulating people and returning us to lockdowns and any other kinds of tools that they have used previously. And that is being in right relationship with her. 
So if you go out and you appreciate the mullein and you learn how to harvest um, the plants for medicine or for food in a way that is that honors that they are also magic beings like us. Like that's the way Tamara, um, Tamara Segal from Hoffer and Herbals that we've studied with, um, she teaches you to talk to the plants and to ask permission to harvest. And sometimes it's no, and you don't harvest all of a plant. You harvest a little from here and a little from there so that there will be medicine tomorrow. And when you are in relationship with nature like that, you can't abuse her. That's the way that we save the planet. And this is why I no longer trust people that have been given power. I'm not going to say people who are in power because they're not in power of me anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, but they, they've been given positions of power. If they really cared about these things, they would empower people, not take their power away. So with regards to health, they would help them to remember that movement and vitamin D and, um, and, and these kinds of, and reducing your stress, not being caught up in fear is actually beneficial to your immune system and that there are many ways to protect yourself and others. Um, and they would do the same with the earth. So that's what people I think would benefit from looking at. Are these people taking my power away or are they empowering me? Mm-hmm. And as a doula, I can't miss it because that's been my job for my whole career is to empower people. Here's some information. Let's talk about the benefits and risks and alternatives. Here's the here's what they are predicting is going to happen, which is why they want to do this. You can do that. And there's also this, you know, and so then people feel really good about their birth, even if it doesn't go well, because um, they were empowered. So it's really easy for me to see that we're not being doulaed. <laughs> <laughs> we have a really mean step daddy who's really abusive yeah there's a big difference mm-hmm. do you want to hear what my big hurt is yes I do yes. I was going to ask you financial loss mm-hmm. the thousands of dollars that I lost it was like retirement savings fund maternity savings fund that like I was preparing for my future and it was taken away from me because I had to pay bills and buy groceries. And the, like, I feel like I will be the rest of my working life if ever trying to recover from that. And I don't want to limit myself and feel like I can't be abundant. But when I think about my biggest hurt from the past couple years, it's, it's what was taken from me and you know what I what we lost with not being allowed to to work and um, continue to do what we love and that's... and what is essential yeah like it's offensive to at the time I convinced myself it was fine but now in reflection and seeing the the effects of everything that has happened on um, to people's mental health mm-hmm. and all of the lives that were lost to mental health and addictions and all of those things um, 
it was essential yeah. and it wasn't high risk. Our work is really important, but I'm going to, if you don't mind, because I think this is something that we share, I'm going to even add to that and you can confirm that you, that's part of your wound as well. Cause for me too, like I signed a four year lease for a very expensive, large space for my business based on a business plan that had me traveling and teaching. Um, and not closing down over and over and over. Mm -hmm. uh, and I signed it a year before the pandemic. So the first year was like literally building physically the spaces. And, you know, months later, you're still scraping paint off of glass and things like that. Um, while also bringing in practitioners gradually and slowly building things up. And you just start to get things going. And the first shutdown happens. And that's life. But after a while, you know, it starts to be like... No, this is getting personal. But anyway, the add-on, so there's all of this sacrifice, because I share that. I was building something, and uh, I'm really grateful that it still exists. Sometimes I don't know how with everything, but I've had to pivot and adapt and go with the flow of things, um, because this, this I could not have predicted mm -hmm. the ways that we would have been limited. But... I think like the big hurt on top of the salt on the wound is then also being told we didn't do our part. Mm. Mm. Yes. Yeah. There was yeah. only one way. It was only if you did this one thing, you did your part. Any of the other sacrifices, any of the other ways that we were good. Um, I bought groceries for my neighbor across the river for months so we didn't have to leave home. I wore a mask before other people because I was concerned. Um, kept my kid home from school a whole extra year more than other people did. And uh, I shut my business down over and over and over and lost so much potential growth. You know, it sometimes feels like it's barely hanging on. Um, I still not operating the way that I was before because I don't know what the fall will bring because we're in this abusive relationship of we're doing this and now we're not now we're you know so you can't actually long-term plan very well when there's risks of such financial loss but then on top of all of that to not be allowed in the club of we did our part and that hurts I had honestly never even thought of that, but that is very big. You're right. That's the first I've yeah. connected that also. It does hurt deeply. So what's the, the root of that wound? <laughs> Feeling invisible. Like not being seen for what you did do, that that wasn't enough. Not being enough. Not being enough. Yeah. trying and trying and trying and trying and being dismissed. Mm -hmm. <laughs> hmm. There's a lot of sign. There's a lot of energy in this room right now. Pushed a button. Woke something up that was sleeping. I mean, I had thought about this one before. I wrote it in an email to a family member. So <laughs> that one, I've, yeah, I've become aware of that one already. Yeah, yeah. Um, to say what is essential and what is not when, I mean, any job is essential if you're Providing trying for to your provide family. for yourself and your family and put food on the table. And I think of how many lives 
were, I'm trying to think of the right word. What we do causes ripples in the world. You know, we maybe only touch one person at a time, but I think all of us, our intention is to help people navigate life with more light, more ease, calm nervous systems, less fear, more empowerment. And then they go and they interact with all of the people in their lives in a different way because of that. Um, so yeah, there was a lot of people not touched by the light that people let us bring. It's important work. I'm it's just important. owning it. I'm owning it. It might, I think it's like some of the most important work right now. Being the care bearer and sending endless amounts of love and compassion to anyone, even when they can sit in front of you and accuse you of not doing your part. <laughs> it's that care bear stare, I tell you. But there's science behind it, right? It, it's our limber, limbic systems interacting with others and, and lending our energy. And that's why it's so important for us to be working on ourselves. So we have that energy to give to others and we're not going out there all bitter and upset because yeah, being a business owner, so many people have lost their livelihoods and it's just not fair. <laughs> it's not just a livelihood. Like so many people have lost their baby. Like yeah. Entrepreneurship, sometimes it's somebody had a good idea that they thought would make a lot of money, but most of the time it's it's their purpose. Yeah. And so a lot of people have lost their ability to find fulfillment through living with purpose and being of service to the world. And to as somebody who's faced that at different times during my career where I've had real fear that um, maybe I can't go on, like I don't know how to make this work or tired of breaking even or whatever it has felt as big as death like it has felt like I don't know and my husband has kind of not understood that at times to be like we're not enough and I'm like in this moment it feels hard to continue to be here if I can't do this because I just know this is what I'm supposed to be doing and I'm sorry that's hard for you but like it's a big loss you know the money is one part of it it's the smallest part of it I feel like it's yeah. it's often so much bigger so I don't want to I don't want to give that to the people who believe that I don't want them to have that anymore that this I didn't do my part or Tasha didn't do her part or you didn't do her part I would like to reclaim that so that this would be part of like being empowered um yeah, I don't, it did hurt. Like even saying it here, I could feel mm. the collective energy in the room. And so I would like to heal that, especially if, if there are other people out there that that also like for them. Um, yeah, so I'd like to figure that out with you guys and, yeah. uh, and heal that. But what's the collective original wound? Or do we each have an individual, like, is there somebody out there that, like, that didn't hurt? Probably, I guess. I pro there's probably people who are like, screw you. I don't care if you think I didn't do my part or not. And some people maybe even didn't do their part and are also okay with it, you know? Because, like, I think we were all, like, good citizens in every single other way. I think I was a good citizen anyway. So I'm going to, number one, own that. 
by not doing the thing that other people think that I had to do to do my part, I didn't need to do that to do my part because um, there's there's where alternatives. And I think it. If what you does do your part even mean? Yeah. Like that's real. Oh my god. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. When I hear it, it's just like that is a bit strange. Do your part. It's like it was a what is tactic. that? What is that? Who gets to decide? What is the part and what is It's just another means of division. I think I got it. I think that this really only lands on people who were, who have lived lives of being the goody goodies. It goes back to the people pleasing, like you brought up, Alicia. Um, I think that we're always pretty much rule followers and we've always done what we're told. And um, yeah, there's probably shame there in our childhoods when we didn't do the good thing or the right thing or what was expected to us or we made a mistake or whatever. Um, and so I guess we could each like reflect on and think back to a time when you felt ashamed or you were made to feel ashamed because um, you were bad. <laughs> I got it. <laughs> All right, what's yours? I was in grade six. <laughs> like as you were speaking, it was like so clear in my mind. I was in grade six. And there was me and I think two other girls, for whatever reason, we signed up for volleyball tryouts. Somebody clearly pressured me into it because, like, I don't do sports. <laughs> and I'm five foot tall. So, like, volleyball and me, not, no. So we signed up. And then the day of tryouts, I decided that I don't really feel like playing volleyball. So I went outside for recess instead. When I got back to the class, my grade six teacher was the, also the gym teacher and the volleyball coach. Hardcore. She made me and the other two girls stand up in front of the entire class and talked about how if you're going to sign up for something and commit to doing it, that you have to show up. And she literally looked at me, pointed at me and said, I expected more from you. Because I was a good student. I got good grades. I, I did whatever I could to make sure I never got in trouble, never got centered out. That day, clearly, because I remember it, was massive. I was bad. I was misbehaving. I was, you know, centered out in front of the whole class. And it. I think I even cried. Like, I'm sure that I cried when she did that to me. So, like, that was the day where it was like, you are no longer being the good student that I thought you were and you have failed and you're, you know, bad. Mm, wow. Well done. I can't think of mine. I can think of one time having to go to the principal's office and I remember there was a group of us and uh, We must have, I think we were, we said something that wasn't kind to another classmate, but it doesn't bring up any emotion. I don't even remember what was said. I don't remember if like I was really involved or not. So that one doesn't have any weight. So that's not the button that's being pushed. But you know, it's interesting. I think that all of us would really, really struggle to actually come up with like even five things that we've done in our life and got in trouble for. And that's probably... <laughs> It's more to do with that. They're like, we're good girls. 
Yeah. Um, and when actually I've been better at reclaiming in my recent adult years, I don't have to be perfect all the time. I do this with my husband. He'll be like, you did blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, and I chose to, because I always do the right thing. And you know what? I'm allowed to like make a different choice sometimes. Like you, you do the wrong thing all the time. <laughs> Not all the time. He's good, but no, he doesn't give as many Fs about being good, you know, where I'm always trying to, like, be really conscious about, like, what I say and how I behave. And then sometimes when I fight, I just, like, sling one that I know is, like, not my normal. So <laughs> I'm just going to reclaim, and I'm allowed to be a rebel once in a while, but I don't even feel like this thing was rebellious, which is... No. It took courage. Yeah. But actually, it didn't, because at the same time, I couldn't do it. I could not make myself do it. And when I imagined myself doing it, I was screaming because everything in me was like, this is harmful for you. Like for me specifically, this, this will harm you. There's other ways. Um, whether that's accurate or not, we'll never know because I'm never going to do it. No. But I have to honor that, that my body was screaming no. And uh, anybody who thinks they have a right to do something to somebody else's body that's screaming no... Just want them to think about what that sounds like. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Because it applies to up across the spectrum. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, uh, well, thanks for this healing session today. <laughs> thanks, Michelle. <laughs> Can we go walk in the woods now and have a fire? Let's do that. <laughs> it's full moon tomorrow. Yes, it is. Time for releasing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Thank you so much for coming and spending evening with us Mm -hmm. I feel like I could just sit here for a few days and just drink some tea and talk and I'm grateful very grateful well we can do that too camping preferably because we're rebuilding not rebuilding because we already I think we all have a connection with nature already but we're taking it deeper deeper and deeper help letting her help us be empowered but thank you so much for inviting me it's an honor and uh i loved the opportunity to take off my self-censorship because enough of that already and it feels so good to <laughs> take it's it so off good and so pukey at the same time right <laughs> just doing it yeah we don't have to get it right like we're just dreaming and um doing our best we're all goody goodies and even if we weren't like that's the human experience and we're allowed to try ideas and um believe one thing today and tomorrow that can change that doesn't seem like these things are though they seem to be deepening but i think it's important right now as we head into the next few months that we do um check in and create space for nuance during conversations with friends and family and not be so quick to judge and come to an opinion. And so like that, that's the work I'm doing is listening to respond, listening, just listening, not listening to respond. And in those conversations, really just sitting and being, and when triggers come up, sitting with them. Mm-hmm. And looking, what's coming up for me that's causing this trigger to come what up? What can I do? Yeah, is it an old wound? Is it because we're sitting with Tasha, who had a beautiful evening at the Jewel concert last <laughs> night, and I could just see her like 
here, fully present, and you know, we we talk a lot, a lot about stress and like especially the biological domain, right? So, you know, for someone like Tasha, if something is triggered today, she may be more apt to react rather than respond. But that's because there's a huge added stressor on her body, which is back asleep, right? And that's exactly also what stress does to us also. So like just checking in, creating that space, taking care of yourself. Staying curious. Staying curious. Yes. yes. And staying rooted in love and compassion. And Valerie Kaur always says, like, she's so beautiful in her words. Like when you come to someone and you're having a conversation with somebody and something comes up that feels kind of icky in yourself. It's like, what part of the stranger am I conversing with that has to teach me something? What do I do not know about myself that this stranger has to teach me? It's mirroring. It really is. Mm-hmm. It's one of like the very first like kind of spiritual um, techniques or mirroring spiritual whatever that I was introduced to was mirroring. When something is triggered inside of you, what is it about them that is actually like a part of you that you don't really like? In your shadow. Or is part of your like childhood wounding or something. Yeah, it's been very powerful to just have that awareness for those moments when you do feel really triggered. And so the people who are who have been unkind um, I think they're mirroring to us our own experiences of being in fear, even if we were afraid of different things at different times. We don't like to see it. Stop being afraid. <laughs> um, but then we do that to ourselves too. Mm-hmm. Well, until next time. Yeah. Thanks for listening. Enjoy your summer evening and.